listening to Talking Out Loud, still the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud. This is the Rapid Reaction. I am your host, Sully, and Dayton just fucking lost to UMass Lowell. I'm joined by my co-host, Blackburn, and we are going to talk about the fact that Dayton fucking lost to UMass Lowell here on the Not-So-Rapid Reaction because we took some time, listeners. We took some time to not jump on the mic and record this session in a fit of rage. We took the time to carefully select our words for this half-hour program for you because you were undoubtedly disappointed. I am disappointed. Blackburn, I know you are disappointed. Right? Factual? Yeah. I mean, I'm not. <laughs> Is that the right word? <laughs> yeah. This, uh, yeah, like, it's not anger. You're right. It's more like just like a, a deep sigh after it was over yesterday. Like, all right, this season's done. It's November. It's an emptiness. Um, yeah. It's another wasted year. And, you know, <laughs> there are the, and God bless these folks, there are these people who still think there's a lot of promise left in this year, uh, that Dayton still has, you know, potential to turn things around. And, uh, you know, I've been on this earth long enough to, to realize if you lose to UMass Lowell, um, things aren't probably to get that much better. I think no. that's safe to say. I mean, I, I, you can only, the good thing is you can only go up from here. That's, you know, that's, that's true. That is, if you want to, if you want to put it in the spin zone, that is exactly where you could start. However, where I would like to start is addressing the fan base as a whole, as I often do. Um, uh-oh, uh-oh. And, and I, yeah, just sit back. All right, <laughs> sit back. So <clears throat> it's going to be episode twelve on the season here of talking out loud, and I do appreciate that you're joining us for this half hour, not so rapid reaction segment. But. During the course of the preseason, I talked a lot about expectations. Uh, I talked with Larry Hansgen about it. I talked with Brooks Hall. I've talked with Keith Wallace-Kowski before. I've talked with a lot of people around the program that echo the same types of things that you're thinking right now. The Dayton every year should be competing for a conference title, and they should be in line to go to the NCAA tournament and at-large bid. Just a couple of weeks ago, Neil Sullivan addressed this question. And his response was, quote, we share a common vision of graduating student athletes, which they do very well, unquote, back to the quote, consistently competing for conference championships and advancing in the NCAA tournament, unquote. That is the quote of the UD athletic director. The expectation is to play for an at-large bid. The expectation is to get to the NCAA tournament. I haven't lost anybody. I haven't lost you, Blackburn, right? We're all on the same page. That's the expectation, right? We all oh, of course, it. yeah. Okay, still on the same page. Got it. So we lose the UMass Lowell, right? And the same people that further these expectations that will say them to anyone who is listening, they are also the same people who insist to me. They insist that Dayton has gotten over the hump and that we are now a better program, a great program, and we are an elevated program from where we once were, let's say 10 years ago, or for sake of discussion, we are in a better place than when Archie Miller got to Dayton, Ohio. I think that people insist this at every turn, okay? However, the same people today here, the morning after we lose to UMass Lowell, are trying to tell me it's not that bad. It's a long season. Stick in it. Listen, that's bullshit. You can't move the goalposts like that. If the expectation is winning the conference, getting an at-large of the NCAA tournament, guess what? We have not lived up to that, and it's game fucking two. It's game two in the season, and the at-large bid for the Dayton Flyers is already up in smoke. Well, Sully, I, I don't know about that. It's a long season. It's not a long season, okay? It's 31 games. Dayton doesn't have that many opportunities in the non-conference. We've talked about it for, like, 11 episodes now we've talked about how Dayton has few and far between opportunities in the non-conference to elevate their resume to get to at-large consideration so if you're sitting there today trying to talk yourself into well Sully it's a long season and we'll see what the boys do to get an at-large bid that's bullshit and you know it Dayton isn't getting an at-large bid this season 
And the only way they're getting in the tournament is winning three games in Brooklyn because they lost to UMass fucking Lowell, a program that is so beneath Dayton. I can't even find the words to compare the two. We're talking about a program that's been in Division One for eight years, a program that has never beat an at-large NCAA tournament team. We're talking about a program in the America East that's never even finished in the top three. And they came into Dayton Arena and they beat the Dayton Flyers program under Anthony Grant. So now Anthony Grant has a loss to Fordham under his belt from last season. Let's throw in a loss to LaSalle at home last season. That's on his belt as well. And now he has the worst Dayton loss in the Ken Palm era also on his resume. So if you are one of those people that insists that the Dayton program is above the level it was 10 years ago, or that we have taken a step up and we're an elite program and we are going to contend for titles every single year, I've got some bad news for you. We are the same old Dayton program right now on this day, and it's Sunday, November 14th, again, the day after we lost to UMass fucking Lowell. Dayton is the same program doing the same BS, stuck in the mud, and convincing ourselves that we're greater than we are. Guess what, everybody? We're not greater than that. We had a good four-year run against with Archie Miller, and we had Obi Toppin come out of nowhere to be an NBA lottery pick and elevated that team in 2020 further than anyone could have ever predicted. And how much of that you can actually credit to Anthony Grant is officially questionable. So today I'm, I'm upset. You can tell in my voice I'm upset. I'm upset that I've sat here and I have started to agree with people that, you know what, maybe Dayton has turned a corner. Maybe we have elevated ourselves to this great program. Maybe we are the program that everybody's looking up to in the A-10. And then we turn around and lose to UMass fucking Lowell at home. It can't be acceptable to any person in this program. It just can't. And I'm not even willing to put the majority of this game on our players because our players looked unprepared. They didn't look like they had any plan on offense. They did not have any context for what they wanted to accomplish on offense. They looked sloppy on defense. The same things that were ailing them in the exhibition and then against UIC, they bore their head again against UMass Lowell. And when you, we all can agree here, all of us listening to this, know 100% in our heart that Dayton had more talent on the floor than UMass Lowell. We all 100% can agree on that. So why did Dayton lose? It comes down to coaching. It comes down to being prepared. And Dayton was not prepared for this game today, last night. Last night. They were not prepared. They got outcoached. To some extent, they got outdueled by was the guard for UMass Lowell. Started hitting shots. Faison. Um, he was five for 11 from deep. Okay, sure. That's going to happen, but that's not going to happen if you don't put yourself in that position against a team like UMass Lowell by playing sloppy, just plain sloppy basketball. So that's where I want to start tonight. Blackburn, have I said anything that you believe to be untrue? Sully, you never do. You never disappoint. Um, yeah, I mean, God, man, we, we've talked about this seemingly for years now and, you know, Dayton fans have to remember, I, I understand you're supporting the program. Um, and a lot of people that go to UD games and have season tickets aren't. We, we support the program too. Let's, let's, right. you know, let's put that out there. Like I have season tickets. I exactly. drive. Program. I'm going to keep supporting the program. I don't want my monologue there to be like, Oh my God. So jumping ship. I have this, this podcast. I invest as much as anybody else in this program. And I want it to be very clear. Cause maybe I didn't put that out there that, like I'm allowed to be as pissed off as I want to be because I just got told for months and months and months that these are the expectations. And now we have a big section of the fan base that wants to move those expectations. So no one's jumping ship. I'm just relaying it out there in plain English. Go on. Sorry. And that's the thing. I mean, I, I hate to, to really boil it down to, to brass tacks, but you, if you have season tickets, which Sully you do, you're essentially what you are is a consumer of a product, right? The product being Dayton basketball, right? Correct. And you're even more hardcore. I mean, you don't live in Dayton. You um, you you make travel arrangements. Literally, you, I drive from Chicago like five times a year. Yeah, like so you're obviously more than committed to to the program and supporting it, and you give your your hard earned cash to the program. 
And look, Dayton people are loyal as hell. We know that there'll, there'll be 13,000 people on Wednesday night after the, the Lowell loss, you know, cheering, listening to the jock jams, eating chicken, um, you know, fighting in the flight deck. But at the end of the day, you are a consumer of this product and it would be the equivalent of going to the same restaurant, right? Twice a week. And you love the restaurant. You love the food there. But then one night you go there and you get horrific food poisoning and you're pissing blood out of your asshole. You'd probably be a bit of, you'd probably be a bit upset about that, right? Yeah. You'd probably be like, hey, this is what is this isn't what I expected. You know, I've come to expect a certain amount of quality from this restaurant. Um, and I'm very disappointed by this meal that I had. That doesn't mean you're never gonna go back to that restaurant again, but you are allowed while you're sitting on the toilet to vent. And that's normal. That's a human reaction to something yeah. you you care about, right? Look, yeah. if you if you didn't give a shit about the program, you would just be like, oh, you know what? It's embarrassing, whatever. Grant's, you know, the, the program's not going in the right direction with Grant. Well, let's be um, more blunt. I wouldn't have this podcast if I didn't care about the program. Let's, exactly. You know, you know? Exactly. But, yeah, it, it's just like, I, I, it's not that I want Dayton fans to have a, a, a tougher skin or just be, you know, have unreal expectations. No, this but, is a wake up and smell the coffee type of podcast right now. Yeah, I mean, we we voiced these concerns last year. You know, we we talked about this ad nauseum. I'll just go through it again. After the OB Toppin year, that was really the window of opportunity opening up for the program, right? You yep. finally got some national pub. You were kind of on the, the minds of your average college uh, basketball fan. You know, people that don't really follow the sport as closely as we do. And it was a huge opportunity to take the, the program to a next level. And now we're going back to those kind of, I hate to say it, the Brian Gregory days where, you know, nine and nine is possible in the conference this year. Um, yep. and, and what you, came you, along with that in the Brian Gregory days, a large section of the fan base going, oh, the boys fought hard. We'll get them next game. Brian Gregory is a nice man. He, I like him very much. I like him. He's good. I like what he does for our program. And he sits in living rooms and, oh, he's a great guy for Dayton's program. And it's and I had to field people last night saying, well, you just said that Anthony Grant is is the guy that you think should lead the program forward. And I'm going to be honest with you. I still stand by that because all the other things AG takes care of. Right. But he can't coach in game. I mean, it's just so abundantly clear now. He's not an in-game coach. He doesn't make adjustments on the fly. He can't take what he's seeing in games and apply things that are going to change the outcome of the game strategically and tactically and and you can't you can't convince me otherwise like you know Archie Miller used to lose to LaSalle and St. Joe's you know always used to lose those games um tough games in the conference but he never lost these like non-con stinkers against nobodies Archie Miller's second game at the helm he lost to Miami of Ohio and then we never took a non-con loss like that again in his tenure and here we are Anthony Grant in year five in the last 18 months, he's now taken three losses that are worse than that. <laughs> three. Like, what, what the hell are we talking about here? Like, that's what I'm getting at. Like, what the hell are we talking about? Are, are we a rabid fan base that expects more from this program? Or are we just like, you know, just excuse makers and, oh, we'll get them next year. I mean, like, this is a definitely like a day where we're doing some soul searching. Like how much do we care about this program? How much are we going to care about this program this season? Um, you know, we got a lot of, we got a lot of podcasts to put out here. Um, but back <laughs> to the point, like I got a lot of podcasts, put out. it's going to be a long year. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a long rebuilding year. Um, you know, I, I do still stand by that. Like Anthony Grant probably still is the best person to take this program forward, but that but comes with a oh. huge caveat. It comes with a huge caveat. In that he has to have at least two people on his staff that are solely dedicated to the in-game management and game day coaching. Because it's See, just, the evidence is clear as day. He can't get it done. Well, that's that's the whole point. I mean, if you haven't come to that realization at this point, and like you said, it's crazy to me that he's already in his fifth year. Um, that It's flown by. And I, I never thought Grant was the guy. I always sure. thought he was the easy, safe hire. He was the we obvious hire, right? Yeah. And again, we, we said this before, the only Division One school that would ever have hired Anthony Grant was the University of Dayton. 
nobody was beating down AG's door for an interview. You know what 100%. I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. So it was just right place at the right time kind of thing. Um, the guy can we we said that you could check the blog five years ago whenever he was hired. The guy's reputation is what it is. He can get dudes. He can't really coach them up. And if if you have, let's say you have four, five, six, seven close games. You know, games that come down to the wire, games that are three, four uh, point margins with, with a couple minutes left. More times than not, he's going to lose those games. That's ju- that's just what his record is. You can look it up. Yep. He's not a good in-game coach. He's not a guy that's going to put you over the edge in close games. You've seen that. I've seen that. And certainly 13,000 people in UDD, uh, UD Arena have seen that. So I, I, I've never been a big AG guy. The hope was always that he would get the, the, the guys where it doesn't even matter who's coaching. you know. And that's what we saw in 2020. It didn't even matter who was sitting on the bench. But, <laughs> and look, I, you had to see the writing on the wall coming into the season. You have the second or third youngest team in in, in the NCAA or in Division One basketball, and you have Anthony Grant as your coach. That's just, it's not good. You're not going to have a good time with that. It's just yeah. not going to work out. You know what I mean? And people, I don't know if they had expectations. They still think the program is at that level where, they were two years ago. They're not, man. It's we're back down there. It's regression. We're back down to mediocrity. Um, we and, are right. Well, let's be honest. We're right back where we were when Archie got hired. Pretty much. Yeah, it's we're now back there. Right, and and that's that's the most frustrating thing. I mean, if you've been yeah. following this program as long as I have, as long as you have, as as long as a lot of the listeners have, you already recognize the signs. You know where this is headed. Um. And look, I'm not saying get rid of Anthony Grant. I'm not saying that. No, that's why I was. I was curious. That's why I was very particular about. It. Like, I'm not saying fire him, but like he has to recognize that like he can't get it done. I, I'm going to slip in an anecdote. While you're talking, I just went back and looked at last season. There were ten games the Flyers were in that were decided by five points or less. Dayton's record was four and six. There you it go. is what it is. It is what it is. Like, right. I, I, there's no argument anymore. It just is what it is. Like his resume speaks for itself. And look, somebody pointed this out on like some basketball analytics site a couple years ago. Like your elite coaches, those are the guys whose record in, in tight games as defined by what Ken Palm is within five points with four minutes to go, I think it is. Yeah. Those are the guys who are the elite guys. Those are the guys who earn, you know, the J rights, the coach K's, et cetera, et cetera. They're the guys who have eight, you know, 70% winning percentages in those games. And that's what separates a great coach from a mediocre coach from a terrible coach. You know what I mean? Yep. Making the right, the right personnel moves, uh, calling the right defenses, the right plays, et cetera, et cetera. And again, you know, they had a shot there at the end with four seconds. They had the ball underneath the basket and down one. And I had no hope no hope that they were going to get a decent look. Absolutely. No no hope. I knew it was going to be chaos. Uh, there's a good chance the ball wasn't going to hit the rim. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. But uh, we, uh, like I said, for me, the, the overriding message here is that Dayton fans, it, it's okay to be critical. It's okay to be upset with a loss. It doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a bad fan. It just makes you, you're not an idiot. You know, you're not a child. You can be upset and recognize the direction a program has been going the past two years. Um, because look, you're a consumer, you know, if there's no customer satisfaction here, that's okay. It really is okay. And to the people <laughs> that are at home planning their trip to Orlando in a couple of weeks, oh. God bless you. Just God, God bless you. You are enjoy the Mai Tais. Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, yeah. Hit the magic kingdom up, maybe sell the tickets. I don't know what to tell you. Have a drink uh, by the pool and try to enjoy your vacation. Cause... Yeah. Get hammered on the plane down and get, you know, get banned from a, from an airline. I don't know. There aren't um, going to be any, uh, wins against Kansas coming from that tournament people. And, and, and you know what? Miami is bad enough that Dayton probably still could write the ship and slip by Miami. And then everyone's gonna be like, Oh, look, we're going to be okay. And while <laughs> no one realizes that Miami's like not going to be any good this year. Well, that's also going to be the problem uh, as we can see already in the a 10, the a 10 looks like it's very, very down this year. Yep. Um, and the I, same I, thing happened with Richmond that we, that we had said, I said this like three times. Everyone's like, Oh, I think Richmond's going to be great. They bring back everybody. And I go, they brought back everybody from a team that did nothing last year. So like, why would they be better there? You just said it. They're the exact same team. And 
now look like Richmond started the year here one and one. They lost to Utah State and they didn't, they didn't even play that good against North Carolina Central. So that was like the pride of the conference. And I was like, well, why? They, they bring back the same team. And here we are, like same team. So and look, if you saw if you saw the interwebs last night, VCU is going through this as well. Yep. You know, there's always been a, a they lost to Wagner last night. Yeah, and there's always been a sizable contingent of people at VCU who, who have not been big Mike Rhodes fans. And, you know, it's almost the same as the, I don't want to call them anti-Anthony Grant people, but people who recognize Anthony Grant's limitations. And last night was kind of an awakening for those people too, saying, look, I've been talking about Rhodes for years. You know, a lot of the talent and the lack of depth in the A-10 has hidden some of his faults. But now he's got a young team. You know, they were hit with a big injury before the season. Now you're going to see what Mike Rhodes is really all about. And, and that's the thing. You, you don't want to fall so far behind that it, it takes you another coaching search, another five years to catch back up to where you were, you know? Yeah. But it, it, the sad part is you, you know, and it was the biggest fear we had coming into to last year and certainly coming into this year is that the program loses all the momentum and we're back in the doldrums. And we're hoping for, you know, an NCAA tournament once every four years where we have three seniors on uh, in a starting lineup. And today's that day. Yeah. Like everything that we feared about losing all our momentum and being same old Dayton has come true. And here we are. You know, we're, we're not this national power. We're not going to flip the, the script. And every year we're going to reload. I mean, that's just not who we are. The we're train a, is not always running, Sully. Yeah, like we're a get to the program every now and again. Uh, cross your fingers and hope for the best the rest of the seasons. I mean, I just I don't know what to tell people anymore to to make them realize that like this is closer to the reality of Dayton basketball than anything that Archie Miller did. Right. You know, we, we absolutely had, we had those four years where he got us. Um, and we, and you know, Dayton fans like we love tooting our horn about stuff we accomplish. You remember. He was the first coach ever to send us to the tournament four years in a row. In the history of the program, yep. And, and he didn't even win a tournament game in those last two years. Like, we are now at a, po- a point where Dayton is not going to win. Like, cause it's not going to happen this year. So, Dayton is not. There will be seven years, at least seven years, from the time we win our next tournament game f- from the last one. The last tournament game we won was in Columbus against Providence in 2015, man. And we are oh, heading into the 2022 season. That can't be good enough for people. If you're going to spend money and invest in this program and beat your chest about how great Dayton is, this isn't good enough. I mean, this is shit. Like it's just, it's 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 plain as that. It's shit. And oh, it's a long season. There's 31 games. You just fucking spare me. I, I don't want to hear it. Like literally, fucking spare me. All right. Like we're talking about. It's like an Allen Iverson type of rant. We're not talking about practice. Like we're not talking about losing a conference game in a in a one possession game on the road. All right. Like we're talking about using losing to UMass Lowell in a fucking buy game, a game where we paid them to come in so that we can sell tickets, beat them, everyone have a good time and go home. We lost. Like you know, what else can you say to to properly paint the picture? that this is just not good enough. Um, it, it's frustrating from so many angles, and it's 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 so frustrating that we're 25 minutes into the podcast, and we haven't even talked about the game because the game doesn't matter. Like, and The season and it, doesn't I, matter. The season doesn't matter. Like, this is how fickle college basketball is, too, and I think you know we talk about this a lot. There's no style points in college hoops, all right? Like football. There's always style points, you know, how you won, how much you won by. The margin matters, you know, how you look matters. Game control, basketball, yes. Yeah, college basketball, it doesn't matter one lick. What matters is, is there a W next to your name when the game is over? It doesn't matter how you got there. And if they beat UMass Lowell, they, you know, if they did, 60-59, to 59, if they get past them, get that last bucket, then we get to sit here and go, oh, it'll be a long season, but maybe they'll get it turned around. But because they didn't, that conversation has changed, and it's not. Oh, they're going to turn it around. There's no turning it around and getting an at-large bid after you lose to UMass Lowell. Because 
would uh you know a 15 and 3 a 10 slate you know would a 25 <laughs> and 6 record get you in the tournament yes absolutely but no team that lost to umass fucking lowell is gonna rattle off 24 wins from here on out i mean get your head out of your ass if that if you truly believe that on this day of our lord you you gotta reset man or or i'll even be i'll, I'll even be more gentle about this if that's the type of fan that you need to be to consume the rest of the season, God love you. But you're not going to come on to this show and get that kind of sentiment from me because I'm not that type of fan. I'm going to tell you how it is. I'm going to tell you what's real. We've always done that here. And what's real is that Dayton is not going to play for an at-large bid this season. And the fact that we know that on November 13th is fucking pathetic. And that that's where I'm at right now. And... You know, I, I just I cannot listen to people any longer insist to me that we're this great program that's going to rebuild and reload every single year and we're above where we used to be. And then the goalposts get moved and we lose games like this. I'm just not going to hear it anymore. You know, Dayton is an above average program and nothing more. And even saying that is giving us a, a little bit of an extra stretch. Um, the 2020 season has placed so much goodwill on Anthony Grant. Um, and I don't think the conversation would even be that much different had the 2020 season not been canceled and we still got these same results. Like if we would made a run, maybe they didn't get to the final four, you know, maybe they don't, whatever. Um, this would still be unacceptable. Two years later, using losing to UMass Lowell, like it's it would still be unacceptable in those particular circumstances. So... Um, let me ask you this, Blackburn, because, again, we haven't really talked about the game. There's nothing to talk about. Dayton's a loser. 59-58. UMass Lowell, 261 rank in the Ken Palm. The worst Dayton loss, again, in the Ken Palm era. The third loss by Anthony Grant in the last 18 months. That was by a team 200 or worse. Sorry, it's the fourth one. <laughs> St. Joe's was 202 last year. Got blown out by them, too. <laughs> Four losses in the last 18 months. Teams 200 or worse. 200! I, I mean, I just I can't get to the point of listening to people defend this garbage anymore. The program is above this, or it should be above this. And the way that we talk about this program, that's, that's really what it is. Because if this fan base was more realistic about things and saying, you know, if we were more like... Um, if we were like more self-deprecating, right? Like, oh, Dayton always sucks. And then then this would actually be closer to the sentiment that would line up with that. But we all know that Dayton fans love beating their chest about a myriad of different things. You know, oh, the home attendance and we graduate our people. And, you know, we love beating our chest about any amount of accolades. You know, four years in a tournament in a row. Well, if you're going to do that, you also have to recognize the writing on the wall this season that this team is not going to be any good. They're going to get better. They're going to improve. Brooks Hall said it two weeks ago. They're going to win some games they shouldn't win. But the other side of that coin, he said it right afterwards, they're going to lose games they shouldn't lose. And we just watched them lose a game they shouldn't lose. Um, so <sighs> take a breath right now on the podcast. You're listening to the not-so-rapid reaction here on Talking Out Loud. Don't jump ship. We're going to be here all year. I, I'm contractually obligated to be here all year. And it is, and, and it is. Um, I, I want you know to back up Blackburn because we we need to be fair to everybody here on this podcast. And that uh, the rapid reaction today is brought to you by the Sterling team of Lions and Reynolds at Vic Green Realty. If you're looking for a home in the southwestern Ohio region, look no further than Lori Lyons and Trisha Reynolds. Buying a home is stressful, Blackburn. I think you know this. So eliminate the hassle and let Lori and Trisha go to work finding your next dream home. If buying a home is on your radar in the near future, choose the Lions and Reynolds team at Vic Green Realty. They are realtors you can rely on. Um, Blackburn, I wanted to ask you a question because kind of goes back to the planning of of the roster. And uh, a couple of months ago, uh, Jablo interviewed uh, AG and he said, oh, I, I don't think we know what we have yet. I think we're two games into the season and Anthony Graham would probably answer that question the exact same way. But let me ask you something. So we have a 12-man roster, right? Or, or 12 guys on the roster that can play considerable minutes if given the opportunity. We agree there? Yes, sir. So with 12 bodies to throw and you know varying levels of skill and contributions, of course, wouldn't it be fair to assume that up-tempo and pushing the pace and running the floor would be 
a sound strategy or at least a rational one. Yeah, right? I mean, without okay. a doubt, yeah. Okay, yeah. The average D1 team is getting in about 71 possessions right now through the first week of the season. 71 possessions. And that actually is a pretty decent sample set because you're taking every single possession that has occurred in the first, I don't know, what has there been about like 500 games probably played already, maybe a little bit less than that. Probably around that, yeah. Okay, maybe like 250, you know, because each team's played like one or two games. Maybe like 250 games have been played. So each team averaged 71 possessions. Dayton is averaging 66 possessions per game, which means there are five possessions that we just don't get below the D1 average. Now, these are like the basic things that you start to look at on paper statistically, and you say, what the hell is this coaching staff thinking with that kind of game plan? Now, I don't know the X's and O's. I'm not going to send like I'm I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh, you know, I've been at practice and here's what they're thinking." Just from a very face level. You cannot tell me that your best strategy with this many capable bodies is to slow it down and get into half-court sets. You've already seen it. Like this team doesn't even know what they're doing in half-court sets. So wouldn't it behoove Dayton to play a little bit more one-on-one, to push the pace, to get as many shots up as they can? I mean, I'm not talking gibberish right now. These are, I feel like, very basic basketball principles that I'm trying to latch onto. Am I not? Yeah, I totally agree with that for sure. Like, how do you even explain that? That the strategy going into the year was let's slow it down and get into the half court set. Well, particularly, and and that's one thing I want to add to this is that if you are one of those people that think you know there's some kind of great. Uh, awakening coming around the corner, you look at how this team is offensively right now, and look, they're not going to get much better. You know, it's dreadful. They're it's going to have some nights where, yeah, the, the, the three's falling, uh, but more times than not, what you've seen the, the first two games is what you're going to get, a very stagnant offense, uh, you know, throwing it down low. And or, or lack thereof. I or mean, they, they were I mean, terrible at entry passes last night. Terrible. I, I mean... This will be an interesting stat to track this year, but uh, Kamara got two shots from the field last night in 30 minutes. Jesus Christ. Uh, You know, that cannot happen. It's simple as that. And that's something that, you know, a coaching staff has to recognize. Maybe we get the ball to, you know, our most experienced, uh, you know, our best offensive player. Maybe that's what we do. But if you're going to give Kamara two shots, you're you're probably not going to win many games. I think we can we can agree on that. Um, he's got to be. And look, I talked about. Look, I watched Kamara for for two years at Georgia. I know what kind of player he is, and I, I've said this already. He's not a very aggressive offensive player. He's the kind of guy that lets the game come to him. Um, it's probably just kind of his nature. He's kind of a team guy. But yeah, I mean, may, maybe it behooves him to get more aggressive offensively. But I, I looked at the box score last night after the game, and, and I was shocked to see that he. After the opening performance, yeah, I'd only got two shots. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's that, that's it is. And look, look, this is a year where you know Anthony Grant is obviously very married to his system. We've seen that over the past four four plus years. But if there was any year to kind of mix in some pressure defense, push the pace. I mean, you're right. You have you have twelve capable bodies out there, um, and if you're not a good offensive team, you have to become a great defensive team. And that starts with, it's kind of the VCU philosophy, right? We might not have guys who can shoot at all, but we can turn the ball over 20 times a game and get easy buckets. Yeah. We look, so that's been a mantra for what, since since AG got here, or since you started the podcast. Easy buckets is the name, name of the game. Yep. You know? It's, if especially you're, in the A-10, yeah. Yeah, if you're fighting for a, a basket every time you're, you're going on the goddamn floor, it, you're not going to be very successful. And, you know, that was a big, uh, obviously, look, we had Obi Toppin, but 2020, how, how many fast break points did we get that year? I mean, we probably averaged 15 a game or something ridiculous. Oh, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, easily, easily. So many transition buckets. That part of the game for Dayton is not existent right now. No one's there to push the pace. Um, defense, they do that weird token pressure thing, which does nothing. Uh, I, I don't get it. Uh, you it's know, just man to man. Like it's it's like the most simplistic defense that you could run. It's man yeah. on man. Keep them out of the middle. I mean, that's that's what you run like high school basketball, like man up and play defense. Yeah, but we've not strayed from that whatsoever. 
and look, like I said, I don't know. I don't know what age he's thinking right now. Um, you know, he's probably thinking, I can't believe that I'm getting paid this much to lose to UMass Lowell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. Like these suckers, these idiots, there's gonna be 13,000 in attendance on Wednesday night in Dayton, Ohio, watching yeah. this crap. Shout but, out to whoever bought my tickets for Saturday. I love you. I love you. <laughs> They, they took the punishment for you. Yeah, because uh, I, I made a choice. I was in Pittsburgh last week, and I had to drive home to Chicago. And I made a choice to not go via Dayton because I was like, ah, oh, it's UMass Lowell. I don't need to go to that <laughs> one. That'll be, a, that'll be a mop-up game. Why would I go to that? Uh, Blackburn, I wanted to rattle off a couple of stats since we haven't really go talked ahead. about like the actual game. But here, here I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through this a little bit. So uh, I talked about on the rapid reaction to the UIC game with you. Um, how Dayton scored 44 of their 64 points in the paint. And then they chipped in, I believe off the top of my head, uh, another 13 or 14 uh, from the free throw line. So it only left six points from downtown. And Dayton played no mid-range game, which frankly they shouldn't. Um, They shouldn't be shooting mid-range shots because they are so strong down low or so we thought. So with that in mind, again, we're just two guys on a radio program saying, hey, that's the bread and butter. That's how Dayton's going to win. In the first half, Dayton was 6 for 25 from the field, and they were 4 for 12 from downtown, which means Dayton was 2 for 13 inside the arc. That is pitiful. Like, you have to actually try to be that poor. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I can only, I can only put so much of that on the players. Like, that to me is just a lack of preparation, and it's a lack of game plan. And sure, you know, did they execute? No. But... When you don't really have a strong game plan to execute on, those are the kind of results that you get. And going down, you, you said it, Tamani Kamara was one for two. He went to the line three times. He had seven rebounds. He was minus six. Every single person in the lineup was a minus, except for Blakeney, Brea, and Malachi Smith. Everybody else was a minus and the plus minus. Malachi Smith, I think, was a great um, a great addition. The point guard spot might already be his um, through two games. And the last thing that, that I want to mention, just looking at the stat sheet right away, uh, Elijah Weaver was four for nine from the field, two for five from downtown. He scored 12 points, was minus four, turned the ball over three times. I'm starting to understand why he has beef with the coaching staff not starting him, but I'm also clearly understanding why the coaching staff refuses to start him. His his propensity to play hero ball and for listeners if you don't know what i I mean by hero ball that's like i made a three last time down the court so like i'm inevitably going to shoot a three this time down the court uh the shot clock is winding down i'm not going to look for the extra pass i'm shooting the ball that's what we like to call hero ball and that's exactly who elijah weaver is he's a hero ball kind of guy he wants the ball in his hands he wants to score when the game is on the line and that's great but you saw it it's going to get Dayton in trouble more often than it's not this year. And so I completely understand why he's got beef. The two guys that are ahead of him, Brea and Elvis, they're fine, but they're not better basketball players than Elijah Weaver. But I see the coaching staff's problem is that we can't have a point guard just wheeling and dealing and shooting the ball whenever the hell he feels like it. And I even said it last night. There was a, He hit a big three-pointer, right? And he came back down the floor and I messaged my my friends. I said, this ball is going up like Weaver is shooting this ball 100 percent. And he did. And, and that's a liability on the offensive end. So I'm starting to see both sides of this coin of why the coaching staff um, has sat him on the bench more than he'd like. Um, but I'm also understanding why he could probably take some offense to that, because um, this lineup is just no good, man. I mean, you know. Deron Holmes is is a freak athlete. That dude's going to be great. Um, I don't think we're going to spend a whole lot of time disparaging the efforts of Deron Holmes. He plays hard. His defense is about twice as good as his offense right now, and he still chipped in 13 last night. Um, he's long. He disrupts shots constantly. Um, if we're going to have to you know, wade through this shit burger of a season, um, Deron Holmes is definitely going to be a bright spot. Uh, on the other side of things, if you flip that, still haven't even seen Caleb Washington. Zimmy is hurt. Uh, Lynn Greer can't get off the pine. He played a minute and a half. And the most, uh, let's say, puzzling personnel decision is that when things weren't going well in the first half, Anthony Grant's first tendency was to bring in Mule Sissoko. 
Like what? <laughs> that's that's what you're going to go to on the bench when we're struggling. I, I you know, we said it before and in respect due to the kid, but he doesn't belong at this level. Every time he touches the floor, he doesn't belong at this level. He no, would be res- better. No disrespect. He, he, like, literally, no disrespect. Like, some guys just can't hack it at this level. And you know what? You're an adult. Like, okay, you're a college kid. Blah, blah, blah. It blow it out your ass. Like, he's a 22-year-old kid or a 21-year-old kid. Someone should be able to tell him, hey, you're probably just not good enough to play at this level. You know what? Like, it's it's part of being an adult. It, and I'll tell you I'll tell you one thing. If you want to be as fair as I can. Mule Sissoko should probably just transfer over to the football team, play middle linebacker because they won a game yesterday against Davidson and the football team's actually pretty, pretty decent. OK, maybe he could help them out. You win some games for them because he's certainly not going to help us win any games on the basketball side of things. He could right. play a little tight end, a little Mo Ali Cox style, you know, that's Who what knows? I'm saying. That's exactly yeah. what I'm saying. So out of all those stats, I just rattled off um, again, the, the big um, Kicking the nuts for the Flyers was Justin Faison for UMass Lowell, a guy that played Division II basketball last year. And I'm not taking anything away from the guy, but like usually teams come in, they have a guy shoot like that, score 21 points, and then guess what? Dayton beats him anyways because it's UMass fucking Lowell. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, like all signs go back to like, hey, this stuff happens all the time in these seasons. How many times have we seen a guy in the non conference come in? Give Dayton buckets and a loss. It happens every year. Oh yeah, how many times has have we heard? And uh, he he's just scored his career high. Yeah, UD Arena. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, rapid reaction, not so rapid reaction. Running a little bit long. There's there was you know enough to vent and discuss about tonight. I think we hit on all the pertinent um, facts. But anything else that, that surprises you out of that stat line and and you know that you wanted to touch on. Not really. I mean, look, I did not expect this team to be, you know, a, a top 50 team this year at all. They're going to struggle. They're very young. It's pretty clear that offensively they're they're kind of limited, right? I mean, um, it's really it's really frustrating to watch the, the product on the floor right now. Big picture, though, and we, we, we kind of briefly touched on this last episode, is we're not going to know how much of a disaster this season is until the transfer portal opens up. Um, yeah. And th- that could make a bad year get really, really worse quickly, depending on who it's that portal. Yep. Uh, it's look, it's look, we've discussed this last year too. It's the new reality of college basketball. It is what it is. Like it, love it, hate it. It's here to, it's, it's here to stay. Um, so yeah, I mean, like you said, Ron Holmes has looked fantastic. I mean, two games in, he's so disruptive on the defensive end. Uh, that, that's the kind of guy we haven't had since since Big Steve. Yeah. Uh, an invaluable definitely, guy. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, he is, like, so disruptive in the paint. It's, yeah. And it's fun to watch. That's something that's so, so um, effective, particularly on the mid-major level, because you don't get a lot of guys like him. In mid-major basketball, you just don't, you know. Yeah, and, I mean? he'll, and he'll win games for us in the conference on defense alone. You know, just his ability to block shots. And to that same point, um, I couldn't help last night, but feel like that's why we're going to struggle with St. Bonaventure because they're probably the only team in the conference that can put a body on him and go one for one with Oshun Nushunahi. They're yeah. like literally the only team in the conference that's going to be able to go pound for pound with him in the paint. And yeah. And look, if I was Anthony Grant, my number one priority right now would be to keep that kid very happy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keep, <laughs> you know? keep players on the roster that can help you. And if, you know, guys like I don't I don't even want to single people out because that, that's kind of go ahead. No, I, I don't need to. You know what I mean? We 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 scorched enough <laughs> earth for this podcast. Like if guys want to leave, that's fine. But they, they need to quickly diagnose who is a part of the future and who's here for one year. And if they wanted to bring in all this talent, great. We spent the last three months talking about how much talent Dayton has, which is why I won't give any fan a pass on saying, oh, no big deal. These guys are just learning. That's bullshit. This team has enough talent that they should have beat UMass Lowell. They should have won Tuesday's game in a more comfortable margin than they did. You know, he had to sweat that game out, too. And now, you know, every game moving forward is going to be a hold your butt special. Like every single game is going to be like this. It's so and, exciting, uh, isn't it? You know, any yeah. Lipscomb game, we, we, we're like, hey, could lose that one. We got to watch could. it. Yeah, you got to <laughs> watch it. Yeah, we got to watch it. Um, 
wrapping up here on the not so rapid reaction. Uh, I'm Sully. He's Blackburn. We're talking about Dayton's loss to UMass Lowell. Again, final score, 59-58. We got to do it again Wednesday night. We'll have another show for you on our regularly scheduled programming. Show comes out every Thursday, and uh, we'll be doing that, you know, for the foreseeable future um, until we lose to maybe Fordham at home. You know what? I'll make this promise to everybody. If we lose to Fordham at home, I will shut down the podcast that next day for the season, and we'll start (laughs) over. You're you're putting that out there, huh? I'm going to put it out there. Wednesday, January 19th, I'm going to hang my hat on this one. If we lose to Fordham at home, I'll shut down the show for the season. That is my promise to you. Now, will you have a shutdown show? I will. Or okay, yeah. so you'll be like, look, it's oh, this is the, this is the final show of the we season. We can't. We cannot throw our support in the ring for this garbage anymore. Yeah, <laughs> catch us waste, next year. Life's too short, man, to waste time. I mean, for real. I'm saying. I'm saying. Yeah. So, uh, Blackburn, go ahead and give me your final thoughts on today's rapid reaction. <sighs> the final thoughts is, you know. Last night's loss is as a Dayton fan, it's got to be the worst I've ever seen um, since I've been following the program. Uh, it's very disheartening. The fans, uh, you know, I know there's going to be different contingents of fans who feel one way or another, but like you said, Sully, it's just it can't be acceptable. You can't excuse it because um, then what you're what you're doing is you're accepting mediocrity and making games like this, you know, last night okay. And well, you're, you're cheapening your own tickets. The tickets that you buy have become exactly. cheaper now. So if you accept you're, it, you're devaluing the your own the product that you are willingly consuming. Exactly. Think about a person who has season tickets and goes to every game each season. That's a huge time commitment. Uh, it's a financial commitment. You're a consumer. It's okay to to you know express displeasure with the the product. It's really okay, and it's also okay to you know voice your displeasure at the manager. Uh, of uh, of the product who's a grown adult so, who's a grown-ass man making millions of dollars you know million dollars a year yeah uh who's in dayton you know essentially for his you know building up his re- retirement fund and doesn't really give a shit about you anyway yeah. so I, I don't understand why you're protecting a man who doesn't care about you but that's that's another neither here nor there but yeah but um yeah i mean look the, the only thing you want to see development this year you know you, luckily you're to get a lot of experience for these young kids but I'm already on the march, like you said. I'm already on to the conference tournament. That's the only piece of intrigue, I think, that's left uh, in the season, unfortunately. I hate to say that. I hate to sound – I mean, it sounds crazy to say that on November uh, 12th or whatever it is People need to hear it, apparently. But it's reality. Yeah, it's a a situation that the team's created for itself, and here we are. But, um, yeah, the conference tournament and then the transfer portal becomes the most – vital part of the season and that's that comes after all you know all the games have been played so that's where we're at <laughs> this is where we're at people um you know we'll, we'll come back to you with another show on thursday after the lipscomb game uh, it'll be a rapid reaction plus you know our regularly scheduled show and then um the flyers go back at it the following saturday against austin p to wrap up their four game set before uh traveling to orlando um you said it you know, uh, the at-large is over <laughs> game two. It's done with. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll bring enjoyment out of this season as we can. Uh, again, there's the bright spots. If you, if you need them, RJ Blakeney played a solid game. Deron Holmes was great. He was disruptive. Six rebounds, six blocks, finished the game with 13 points, six to 10 shooting was fantastic. Um, we're going to see him get better. We're going to see Blakeney get better. Um, what the rest of the roster does is anyone's guess, but um, we just watched a pile of shit and you can call a pile of shit. It, the exact words, if, uh, if it stinks like one and, and last night did, I think we were pretty quick to not throw as much blame onto the players because they looked unprepared uh, to play that game against UMass Lowell. And I, I just don't, I don't think the coaching staff um, did them any service by the game plan that they got thrown out there. So, Again, new game on Wednesday against Lipscomb. You know the rules. Wear red, be loud, all that, and we'll catch you then.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.